The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host. And with me is a man that wants everyone to know that the only difference between his drunk selfies and his sober selfies is that he shows a little bit more cleavage in his drunk selfies. <laughs> That's right. What's up, Dale? What's going on, man? Yeah, I will bounce some man boobs on you. Uh, <laughs> you <laughs> What's going on, man? Uh, I'm ready to do the episode, man. <laughs> you ready? You uh, think? I don't know if I am or not. <laughs> man, it's a great day outside, wasn't it? Man. man. beautiful today here in the Carolinas. Yeah, it's a great day in the Crock House, too. Yes, it is. It'll it get better here in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, we got pretty good here just a little bit ago. Yeah. I guess we need to do more ad-lib episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it turns out pretty well, I think. Yeah, I think everybody liked our 100th episode. I reckon I they hope, did. I hope so, anyway. I reckon they did. You got any good shout-outs for us or anything you want to talk about before we get started? I do have a couple shout-outs. I'd like to say a, a big five-star thank you to Jez Mom, J-E-Z-S Mom. She said uh, they loved the podcast and gave us a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcast. Oh, thank you very much. And we had another one, HST2022, gave us a five-star in a review that said that uh, he loves this as much as fat kids love cakes and as much as strippers love 20s. Man. I'm thinking they like it pretty damn good. Yeah, they like they like us. <laughs> and we do appreciate anybody going out of your way to give us a five-star review in, on any uh, platform. Whatever platform you listen to. Recommendation or whatever. And if you click the five-star, write something in the box. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it helps. Something like that. It's pretty yeah. cool. And uh, we'll read it right here. And we also want to give a, another shout-out to uh, Shelly Kastner. I know you said another you were, one. Another one. I know you're saying you're not fishing for a shout out, but when you post something that says, "I quote my favorite episode of any podcast ever," you're going to get a shout out, <laughs> yeah. whether you want one or not. So anyway, P.S. Check your Facebook Messenger too, would you? Thank you. And uh, she, um, <laughs> Shelly went to the website and clicked on the donate button too. Yes, she did. Yeah, ain't that awesome? Yeah, she did. She helped out, kept the lights running this month. Man, we really appreciate that. Yeah, it just uh, tickles us to death. Yeah, we love it. And on another note, we like to our moderator Rich Adams and uh, on our uh, Facebook fan page, 
some folks in his family's having little health issues, and we like to say, uh, you know, we are, we're thinking about you, buddy. All right, keeping you in our prayers. We appreciate Rich. everything you do for us, and uh, hope everything comes out okay. Yeah, hope it does, man. All right, brother. That's all I got. Okay, man. We're Let's gonna, get down to it. We're gonna get into part two, episode one hundred two, and this is part two of Susan Smith. Yeah, we tricked y'all with this part two stuff. Yeah, yeah. We don't. <laughs> we're not too popular. We don't. Well, not popular, but we are popular. Well, we're we, trailer park famous, Donnie. Yeah. Hashtag trailer park famous. But when it comes to part two parters and stuff, you know, I'm not a big fan of them, but. This is sort of local to us, right down the road. So. Right. Well, I've and, seen a couple of people say they was glad to have a two-parter. So. Okay. Well, it's we, all good. Well, we wanted to cover it and do it right and make sure we cover most of the details as best as we can. And I don't know as, about do it right. As accurately as we can. <laughs> we'll do it our way. I don't know whether it's yeah. right or not. But anyway, <laughs> now when we left off in part one, Susan was trying to get Tom back. Yeah. Trying to get him to reconsider being in her life. Yeah. But, it, but it wasn't happening. No. No. I mean, he done wrote the letter and signed it on his computer. <laughs> yeah. I know I heard uh, we was doing the uh, research. I was like, when, when uh, somebody said they had, when they had found the handwritten note, I'm like, he didn't handwrite nothing. <laughs> it was on a computer. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I ain't knocking nobody. I just I thought it was funny. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, she had already been back a couple times that same day and trying to do this and already made up the stuff about uh, his dad and all that stuff. And basically... I think uh, he was tired of it and had her escorted out. So uh-huh. at this time is when I think she decided she would just go take her boys and go home. Yeah, so she went home. Yes. And fixed the boys some supper. Yeah, I think, I think the, they made them some pizza, I believe. Yeah, they had pizza that night. Yeah. And then uh, going into the later evening, it was about 8 p.m. that evening. Yeah. This was when Susan loaded the boys into her car. Yeah, I think she'd been walking around the house probably rereading that letter over and over and was all depressed and heartbroken and sad and I don't know if uh, she just decided just to drive out and see if she could clear her head or if she had other things in her mind. But about yeah, about eight o'clock, she she dressed the boys and loaded them in the car. Yeah, strapped them in their car seats, mm-hmm. and she drove around a while. Yeah. Not sure where all she drove to, but no, it's not known. It's not known, but she did drive to John D. Long Lake. Right, that's where she ended up. Yep, and she pulled her car onto the boat ramp. Yeah, and this boat ramp is 75 feet long. Yeah, but that boat ramp ain't there anymore. Well, it was 75 yeah, feet 75 long. feet long. And fairly steep, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And she released the brake. Yeah. And she was considering, I guess at the time, is what it was reported, that she was going to commit suicide and kill her kids too. Yeah, because she, she said she wanted to kill herself. First, she was thinking about jumping off a bridge, and then she didn't want to leave her kids without her mother. So she thought the best thing was that they all go together, and mm-hmm. then... But then, I don't know, it just didn't work out that way. Yeah, but suddenly she so stopped. I don't know if she really, like, I don't know if she really was thinking that or not. I don't think she was really wanting to commit suicide. Yeah, well, but, she might have talked about it like before. Yeah, but she stopped the car and got out and released the brake. Now, this is done two or three times, depending on who you believe. According to her, it was two or three times. Well, I'm saying two or three times. Yeah. I'm being specific. Okay, specific. Now, I also have heard it was in neutral, and I've also heard it was in drive. Mm-hmm. So I don't know which is which. We'll go with neutral because that sounds more right. Yeah. Because uh, they... Because if it was in drive, she wouldn't be able to get out and then take the brake off. It was stated that if it had been in drive, the car would have went a lot further because they were the, the authorities were looking out deeper into the depths of the lake. Okay, don't get ahead of yourself. Okay, but anyway. Yeah, okay, we'll go with neutral. Yeah. All right. But she did uh, release the brake and watch the car 
with both the kids strapped in the back seat. Yes. And it sank into the lake. Yeah, she watched the headlights go in there. Yeah, she left the lights on. Yeah. And it sank into the lake and disappeared. Mm-hmm. And Susan ran to a nearby house. Right. And it was about a quarter mile away. Now, according to her, she, she kind of realized what she had just done, kind of flipped out and started screaming, oh, God, oh, God, what have I done? And then ran to the nearest house. Mm-hmm. You know, she was having a little flip-out moment, which may be true. This is about 9 o'clock, I guess. Yeah. And this is when um, she showed up at the house of Shirley and Rick McLeod. Right. It was just a few hundred yards away. Yeah, about a quarter mile away. And Shirley was there on the couch reading the Union Daily Times, sitting there in the living room. And she that's when she heard a woman crying on her front porch, Dale. Yeah. And she rushed out to see what was going on and just trying to figure out what it was. Yeah, and said they were very shocked to see a hysterical Susan laying on the porch screaming for help. Well, but, I don't know if she was laying on the porch. But. but she was yelling and screaming, please help me. He's got my kids. Yep. He's got my car. Uh-huh. And Shirley was trying to comfort the woman and brought her in the house. Right. And she said, a black man has got my kids and my car. Right. And the woman said, Rick, call 911. Yep. So, I, you know, I don't know if she was talking about Rick, her husband, or their son was Rick Jr. Right. Yeah, but Jr. was the one who called. Yeah, and Dale, we've got that 911 call right here. Okay. All right. Yes, ma'am. Uh, okay, there's a lady. She come up that door, and uh, she, some guy jumped into a red light with her car with her two kids in it, and uh-huh. he took off, and she got out of the car here at Ohio. And he's got the kids? Yes, ma'am, and her car. I don't, and she's real hysterical, and I just thought I need to call the law and get them down here. Can't even get to figure out which way he's going. What kind of car is it? We need to know something. We're trying to ask her now. A Mazda Protege. What color was it? A burgundy Mazda Protege. Get him going, Pam. I got two kids. Okay. That's a black guy, she said. Okay. Black male? Yes, male. You know which way? Do you you know which way he went? Daddy, ask her if she knows which way he went towards... Did he have a gun? Did he have okay. Where's he coming from? He's trying to get her out of her now. Did he have any weapons, gun, anything? Did he have a... Look, going towards Chester. Did he have a gun or a weapon in there? He's got a gun. He's got a gun. Yes, ma'am. Hello? Okay. okay. We're getting him on the way. Okay. Uh, uh, give me your name. Rick McLeod's my name. Do you need us to tell you anything in our yard or anything? Okay, can you get a tag number out of her? Daddy, see if you can get a tag number. Union 105. 105, go ahead. He said it was a black male driving a burgundy protege. Affirmative, 105. And he had two juveniles with him. 105, from what I understood, these were small children. These are her children, and she jumped out the car and he took the car with the children and he's headed toward Chester. Shirley McLeod was trying to calm Susan down. Right. And she was not having it. She was hysterical. And Susan had told her that she was at the red light at Monarch Mills. Mm -hmm. And a black man forced his way into her car and just told her to drive. Yeah, came up to the passenger side and forced his way in. Yeah. Right. And she resisted, but when he threatened that he would kill her if she didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And 
she said she was left with no option as to drive. Yeah, and he shoved the gun in her rib cage and told her to keep driving. And not look at him. Right. Don't look over me. Yep. So she just floored it and drove according to her. Yeah. About four miles, after which he asked her to stop right past the sign headed for John D. Long Lake. Mm. According to her, he ordered her to get out of the car. Right. And when she asked if she could take her kids, uh, he said that he didn't have time for that. Yeah, she wanted. She said she uh, told him she wanted to get her kids, and he said, well, I won't have time for that. I'm going, and, but don't worry, I won't hurt them. But he pushed her out of the car. Right. And drove away with both her kids. And at this point, when hearing this part of the story, Rick McLeod Sr., he goes and jumps in his car and takes off trying yeah, to find him. trying he, to find he, him. He had hurt enough. Mm-hmm. And according to Susan, the children were crying for her as the man drove away. And, yeah, she said she was worried that, you know, what he would do if he got tired of hearing them crying and stuff. Mm-hmm. But Susan was um, there at the house, at the McLeod house, and she used the phone. She called her mother. When she couldn't reach her mother, she called her stepfather. And later... Uh, she called her husband David. Yeah. But David was working at the Winn Dixie that night. And according to David, when he got that call, he was stocking shelves and. Uh, he was stocking shelves and uh, doing prices on diapers. Yeah. According to his book. Yeah. That's what he said. And he's like, you know, he's just doing a mind numbing job of stocking shelves and thinking about my boys and how many more times I'd have to buy diapers or how many diapers they'd use, you know, and just thinking. And then that's when I got the phone call. Mm hmm. And said that uh, when he first got to call it, it was Susan, and she was just uh, hysterical, and she couldn't really understand what she was talking about. And then uh, Miss McLeod got on the phone and kind of told him that his kids were gone. She's here. Somebody's taking the car and taking the kids, and he didn't really understand what was going on. And then I think uh, the sheriff got on the phone and told him thought he needed to come on over there. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he left immediately and went over there. Yeah. And Susan was hysterical, man. Yeah, and I'm guessing just the cops must have just arrived as, yeah. as she was making the call and said to Susan, you know, was pretty glad to see that it was uh, Sheriff Wells because he was a family friend, you know. Yeah, Sheriff Wells was friends with uh, Susan's brother, Scotty, and his wife, Wendy. Right. So I guess that was sort of comforting for her. And, you know, everybody knows of all the background behind this. And I think Susan at the time thought that, you know, that since he was a family friend that she could just well, she might, he might buy her alibi. Yeah. You know, that it wasn't me. They took the kids and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sheriff Wells noted that Susan was dressed in a gray sweatshirt with Auburn University written in orange on it. Mm. And he also stated that her, she, her face was red and puffy. And every time she talked, she talked with her hands in her lap. And just she wouldn't look up or make any eye contact with anybody. Mm. This is when um, also Sheriff, he got in touch with the... Uh, South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, which yeah. is known as SLED. Right, and the FBI. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, called yeah. FBI. And, and then as soon as they got the suspect's identification, which wasn't much, it was a black man, 30 to 40 years old, with a knit hat and a jacket and pants. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so they were, they called out everything, even a helicopter with the infrared to try to find anything. Yep, and we've got a copy of that uh, sketch we'll put on our social media and some other photographs we're going to put on. Right. Yep. But the Union County Sheriff's deputies, they continued to search for Susan's kids in her car. Mm-hmm. And David and the the Vaughn and Russell families came over to the McLeod's house at around midnight. And when the children could not be found, Sheriff Wells suggested they should move to some other place than the residence of the McLeod's. Yeah, I'm sure them people didn't want all that attention no. there. You know, uh-huh. I mean, in their house, it's like it was just innocent bystanders, and all of a sudden they got a 
they all just throw in their lap yeah yeah but susan suggested they go over to her mother's place right and susan david so they went over to uh, mount vernon estates yes and they all went over our susan david bev and linda mm-hmm. and with some of the other family friends susan was in david's car with him and on the way she told him that tom finley was her boyfriend and he may come visiting yeah don't get mad if he does yeah it's just like what the hell is this yeah, come from? according to her her kids have been just been kidnapped going god knows where and all she's worried about is her tom b- coming yeah tom coming mm-hmm. which he did not no no yeah he didn't show up at all nope they said but, lots of friends uh friends and family did come over they all you know coming to give her support and everything and she kept waiting but he never showed up yep and sheriff wells he returned to his office and like we said he called sled to have the search efforts coordinated so that the divers could be prepared to dive into john d long lake right and they were going to rule out any possibility of having the you know the kids being in that in the lake but the divers did not find anything any trace of the kids or the car in the lake dale right which is kind of crazy but... yep and we're going to talk about that just a little bit later right and a sled helicopter uh, equipped with heat sensors flew over the lake and the sumter national forest nearby but the effort yielded no results you know you'd think uh, if he had heat sensors over the lake he would, they would have found something yeah but, uh, they said the car was in when they found it we would talk about it, it was 18 feet of water yeah so uh, you know depends on how good or how good their out. equipment what the, was what the range is i guess i guess i have yep. no idea makes sense but you know the kids been in there a while and they've been they were dead that long and may may not have any heat signature right so it's just hard to tell true but uh, Sheriff Wells, he got in touch with Susan again for a detailed description of the kidnapper so that they could get a sketch artist and they, they could get that prepared yep. to widen the search. And the, the police sketcher drew the sketch of a black man. And he was around 40, wearing a dark shirt, plaid jacket, jeans, and a dark knit cap. That's what he was described as yeah, wearing. It was just general description. Nothing, yeah. Nothing nothing really no scars no tattoos no earrings no nothing yeah of course i guess when he's in you all in your head i mean what are you gonna do yeah but yeah she blamed it on a black man yeah now the union county sheriff's deputies along with sled they dedicated october the 26th this was the next day to searching the area around john d long lake and they were interviewing members of the mcleod family and while they were at it the adam walsh center this is located in the state capital of Columbia. This is about 70 miles south of Union. And this was also named for six-year-old Adam Walsh, who disappeared in 1981. They also joined the search. And also working with SLED, the Adam Walsh Center got the flyers with the pictures and description of the missing boys printed. You know, the next day, Tom did call. Yeah. You know, he didn't ever come over, but he did call her, you know, to wish condolences, you know, for her missing and stuff. And, and Susan and just instantly switched the conversation to to their relationship yeah you know about getting back together and he basically said look no now is not the time for that you need to be thinking about your kids mm-hmm. you know not not about relationship you need to be thinking about these boys yeah don't talk about us right now and uh basically i think that was probably the last time he ever talked to her yeah and uh some of the like i said some of the co-workers would come over and see susan and all she'd ask about is uh, when's tom coming mm-hmm. when's tom coming and they told her Tom's not coming. Yeah, and said to, the only time they ever seen her actually cry real tears is when they said Tom wasn't coming. Yeah. You know, she she does a lot of that fake crying, you know, cry with no tears, but 
crocodile tears. Yes, you know, serious. She was being upset, but when they uh, told her he wasn't coming, she genuinely was uh, upset. Yep. And Dale, we got a couple of them news clips right here. We're gonna play. Okay. Then please let me take them. And he said, no, he didn't have time because they were in car seats and it was going to take time for me to get them out of the car seat. And um, they just told me, he said, but I won't hurt them. And he just took off. But he had a gun. And my my big thing is they were screaming, hollering, crying. And I'm just scared that he just lost his patience or something. I plead to the guy, to the man, me and my wife, plead to him to please return our children to us safely and unharmed. We love our children very much and we want them returned to us safe and sound. To say to whoever has my children that they please, I mean, please bring them home. I can't sleep, I can't eat, I can't do anything but think about them. <laughs> and just... <laughs> I just want to hug them so bad and tell them I love them. I want to say to my babies that your mama loves you so much and your daddy, these whole families love you so much. And you guys have got to be strong because you are, I just know, I just feel in my heart that you're okay, but you got to take care of each other. Your mom and dad are gonna be right here waiting on you when you get home. Yeah, she didn't sound too distraught. She's trying. Yeah, and I remember when this was going on. I I remember this very vividly. Yeah. And well, how could you forget? I mean, it was on twenty four seven. Yeah. And I remember people telling me, man, she when she was on the news, she wouldn't even look at the camera or look at anybody. Her head was always down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sure it's hard to play that part. Yeah. You know, knowing that she just knowing you did it. Yeah. I can't even imagine, man. No. You know, and they just kept pushing her, and every time she told the story, it started to get different. Mm-hmm. You know, her story was starting to get a little cracks in it here and there. Yeah. You know, when the FBI met with her on the 27th, they immediately known that there were very, a lot of inconsistencies in her stories, you know. From, yeah. from you know, even like uh, once said that they were riding around and singing songs, and once that uh, Michael was... Uh, really fussy and another one they were all asleep yeah so i guess if you tell it over and over and over and over eventually you're gonna if you're lying you're gonna get stuff mixed up yeah there's another inconsistency too said she claimed that she had stopped at a red light at monarch mills correct and she saw no other cars around that intersection on the highway and that's when she got jumped apparently yeah but yeah that's when uh sheriff howard will sort of jumped in on this and um he found out that there was no that intersection always stays greendale right unless a car approaches at, and, and trips it from the yeah. other direction yeah yeah red light lies yep that's right <laughs> but she didn't know this mm -mm. but even you know when they brought that up to her she changed her story that maybe it was a maybe it was a different light but the fbi already knew she was going to change her story when they asked when they told her yeah so yeah yeah she's just i guess at this they point way ahead of her and she just don't know it and they asked her about her relationship with Tom Finley. Because mm -hmm. I'm sure they'd done been to Tom Finley. Yeah, they already had. Yeah, and they'd uh, gotten a copy of the letter that he had written her. Yeah. And, uh, they, like I said, they asked her about her relationship with Tom Finley and if uh, him rejecting her had anything to do with the disappearance of her sons. Right. 
And she answered, quote, no man would make me hurt my children. They were my life, yep. end quote. And she said they were my life. Yes. She didn't catch herself. Past tense. Yes. So right there, she told on herself. She just didn't know it. Yeah, and the media found out about her holes in the story. Yeah, I think somebody leaked it. That, that uh, you know, they gave uh, her and David both polygraphs. And the sheriff was pretty hard on David at first, and he was kind of getting pissed off about it. Like, you need to quit leaving me alone and go look for my boys. And they were like, well, why are you so calm? You know, why, where were you at and all that stuff? But, you know, he passed his polygraph first time. Yeah, flying colors. And she did not. Yeah. Yeah, she deceptive, you know, almost every time, especially when they ask if you knew where your kids are or if you knew what happened to your kids. Yes. So they they pretty much narrowing down on her. Yeah. He called a press conference, you know, and, and uh, you know, at first he said neither one had been ruled out. You know, and the media is like, hmm, what's going on here? And then they they did contact David and tell him he had been cleared. Yeah. But they know, by October 28th, they know that Susan is hiding something. Yeah. What, what does she know? The news outlets, they start exploding. They just, they know something's going on, and they're trying to figure it out. And all this time, David is standing beside Susan. I mean, standing right with her. Yeah, he believes her. And their, their divorce was going through, and they would spend all this time together and saying that, you know, when trying to get, work things out, when we get our kids back, we're going to make a family. We're going to make it work. Yeah, we're going to be together. Yeah. And then she said, well, e- even if the boys don't come back, we can still make this work. Dave. Yeah. And she, he's like, no, no, they're going to find our boys. Yeah. Hmm. They found them, all right. Yeah, they did. The story of the, the black guy wielding a gun just starts to fall apart. And they knew, you know, and it was a, started to cause a lot of racial tensions because everybody's blaming the black guy. And they just don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. And then soon the, the media starts to turn on Susan and David like they know what's going on. Yep. Nine days after the boys went missing, right? Uh, Susan and David went on the CBS uh, This Morning show. Right. And they were asking them some tough questions, even asking them about the possibility of their involvement in the in the abduction. Yeah, and she said I didn't, she didn't have anything to do with her yeah, kids missing. She insisted, missing. you know, that you know, her and Jesus knows what the truth was, and... And she had nothing to do with it. Yep. I know right here what the truth is. Um, I can, I can, from some, I can see from their side uh, why they have to do the things they have to do. Uh, but the Lord and and myself both know the truth. I did not have anything to do with the abduction of my children. And then later that day. Yep. Later that afternoon, Sheriff Wills calls her in for another. Uh, interrogation. Well, you know when uh, it was, was sorry, I'm gonna jump on top of you, but that's all right. Uh, when uh, you know they had asked her about if she was involved, she you know she said she didn't do it. She said, but whoever took my kids was definitely a sick and emotionally unstable person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Right. Okay. Sorry. But that's when he took Susan in for another interrogation. This was at a, a local church. Yeah, they were to a little like a family room or family yeah, or something. kind of like a small room in the back of the church. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he pretty much told her straight up that he didn't believe her story. Yeah, and he told her that he knew she was lying. Yeah, flat out, he told her it was time to fess he, up. He basically, they got in real close, like almost knees touching, you know, close. And he just got her into it and said, Susan, it's time. Yeah. And then, like, she said, well, just pray with me. And they sat there for a minute. When the prayer was over, he goes, okay, now it's time. And that's when she spilled her guts. Well, they also took, he took a little gamble, too. Uh, he told Susan that there was a camera at the intersection of Monarch Mills. Mm. And it showed that there was no carjacking that evening. But 
you know, he took a gamble. And if uh, she hadn't bought that or caught on to that, she could have just shut up. She could have yeah. closed down, but she bought the lie. And that's when she fessed up. Mm. And, I think she was pretty much cracked at this point anyway. Too but, much pressure. Yeah, she claimed that she wanted to kill herself and the children, but eventually got out of the car and let the boys go in to die. You know, I, I don't think she ever thought it was going to get this big. No. Uh-uh. I think I think her plan... You know, I don't. I don't know um, if she. You know, a lot of people say that she come up with this plan after she did it. I think she already kind of knew her story beforehand because, you know, it's hard if she wanted to get. I want to say get rid of her boys. If she wanted to kill her kids or make them disappear, we'll put it that way. Yeah, that sounds better. Um, you know, you can't just. She couldn't just smother them both, or she couldn't just do them. You know, that just would look way weird. You know, so them disappearing in the car. If they would have found him in the lake, and it would have looked like that the carjacker run the car in there and just took off, they might have bought that story if it hadn't got so so big so fast. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I just don't think she thought it was going to explode on a national uh, level like it did. I know, but I don't know. It's just it's just crazy. And it was just shortly after that. That's when uh, Sheriff Howard Wells come on TV and made an announcement, and we've got that announcement right here. Right. Susan Smith has been arrested and will be charged with two counts of murder in connection with the deaths of her children, Michael, three, and Alexander, 14 months. The vehicle, a 1990 Mazda driven by Smith, was located late Thursday afternoon in Lake John D. Long near Union. Two bodies were found in the vehicle's back seat identities are pending and autopsy now get this dale david found out about susan's arrest on tv yeah he was a. Uh, he said that they were all that on that sunday that they did uh the morning show they were just going to be hanging around the house and said that uh you know they had called and, and talked to susan and that's when she was going to go meet sheriff wells but he thought that she was just going to go drop off some paperwork i think about the polygraph is what i believe i heard and you know, and would be right back. So he was just hanging around the house, quiet day, and you know, and said Susan had went out the back doors to avoid all the cameras and stuff. So it was mm-hmm. just kind of low key, and she was going to come back, and they were just going to just be together, you know, since if nothing nothing came up about the boys. And as they were sitting there wondering what was taking her so long, it came up on the news, and that's how he saw it. Yeah. Now I know I did hear that Sheriff Wells really he didn't tell David right away because he wanted. They had to have her to find the car because she told them, and basically this tells on tells on her that she stood there and watched the car go under because she knew exactly where it was. Yeah. So she had to tell them where the car was. So he wanted to actually find the bodies before telling David about her confession. Yes. But media got wind of it and beat him to it. Yeah, oh man. So you know, good old media. Yeah. But she gave uh, the authorities the location of where the car had sank. But the divers were weren't able to find it because it was they were searching too far out. Yeah. Plus they were searching straight and it floated for a minute. So when it went out, it topped over and then it went off to the to the side a little bit. Then turned upside down. Yeah. And then flipped over. So they had went straight out and where it was is off to the side. Yep. And like you said, sixteen, eighteen foot of water or whatever. Yep. But they also said when the divers found it. They walk up and then they see a little hand pressed up against the window. Oh man! That's, yeah, that kind of gets me, man. No, this whole story gets me, but 
Yeah. But when they did find the boys, they they revealed that the boys were alive when they went into the water. Yeah, autopsy results. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's sad. Yep. Serious. But uh, Susan was arrested, and uh, she was charged with two counts of murder in connection with the death of her two children. Mm-hmm. Michael, who was three, and Alexander, who was 14 months. And that was in her 1990 Mazda Protégé. It was a red burgundy in color. Yeah. But, yeah, she was charged with two counts of murder and was eligible for the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Her defense tried to use that her troubled past to claim that she suffered from a mental illness. And they also tried to argue that Susan was in a severely depressed state and the boys died due to a failed suicide attempt. And, you know, really... A lot of that's true, except for the failed suicide attempt part. As far as you know, her her um, emotional state at the time, mm-hmm. you know. But I'm not saying let her off or nothing. But now the uh, prosecution argued that she was a mani- manipulative person who killed her children for her own personal gain. That I think that's true too. <laughs> yeah, and they were more convincing, even though for some reason the judge gave the jury the option to consider a lesser charge of manslaughter. But the jury found Susan guilty of two counts of murder. Yeah. Yeah, definitely wasn't manslaughter, in my opinion. But the jury rejected the prosecution's request to sentence her to death on July the 27th of 1995. You know, and I think at first they were really set on doing that until they really heard a lot of her backstory. I think so, too. And I think that's when they went, damn. Well. Uh, And then still give her two life sentences or whatever, or whatever, they give her 30 to life, you know. So I think that shocked a few people because I think it was pretty dead set that they were going to give her the death penalty until all that came out. Her stepfather, Bev Russell, who had uh, sexually molested her as a teenager, Mm -hmm. took the stand. Yeah, he did. He took the stand in her defense, actually. During the sentencing phase, yeah. Yes, and he confessed to sexually abusing her when she was a teenager. Yeah, and saying all this guilt is not yours, you know, it's... I had a lot to do with it. You know? Yeah, he told her that. Yeah. And he told the, the court that. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't found guilty. He wasn't on trial for anything, and he's never been prosecuted for anything like that. Nope. I think it was some, maybe some kind of plea deal or something going right. on. You know, and, and David, he wanted her to get to them. Yeah. He was pushing it hard. Yeah. He, he, you know, he said everything he had planned from now on into his life, it, they, she took away right there. You know, everything that was ever going to happen with him and his boys. Yeah. Mm. Everything. And that one night. But Susan was uh, sentenced to life in prison and with the possibility of parole. And her parole is coming up in two thousand, and actually in November of twenty twenty four. Yeah. But she most likely won't get it since she's been incarcerated. Susan has been way far from the model prisoner, Dale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's still doing up to her old tricks. Yep. She was caught having sex with a fifty year old prison guard yeah two or three times i think yep and that one guard he was fired and served three months in prison yeah. he actually it was two different guards you know yeah. yeah one was fired and served three months and the other one got probation or something mm-hmm. yeah five years probation was also fired from the job yeah and susan was disciplined twice in 2010 for the use of drugs and a third time for self-mutilation in 2012 I wonder what that was. That probably sounds a lot worse than what it was. Probably, but she lost 240 days of privileges for unauthorized use of an inmate's pen, and she was disciplined again for drugs in 2015. She also uh, filed for an appeal to her conviction in 2010. She claimed that her Miranda rights were violated. She called it Miranda rights. Yep. No, actually, she she uh, called them uh, Amanda rights. 
That's how she yeah. called him, but it's uh, her Miranda rights were violated. Yeah. And she claimed that she had inadequate representation, and there were uh, prosecution had some misconduct going on. Right. So you got to try some. Yeah, I guess you do. Even if it is is that many years later. Yeah. Now, Susan was incarcerated in the administration segregation unit in the Camille Griffith Graham Correctional Institution, and this was in Columbia, South Carolina. Right. And uh, like I said, because of her misbehaving and stuff, she was consequently moved to the Leith Correctional Institute in Greenwood, South Carolina. Yeah, I don't think that's too far apart, is it? No, it's just not far apart, just right across a few counties. Right. But Susan has a possibility of parole in 2024, but I don't think she'll get it. And David has vowed to be at every... Uh, parole here. Yeah. Yeah. And say, hell no. And just... A couple of my thoughts on this. Um, I know Susan, I mean, she committed murder. She killed her two kids. Okay. Yeah. But before all this, I mean, she was a victim of sexual abuse. Yeah. She was a victim of a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I think. You maybe, know, her daddy killing himself early. Yeah. You Mental. Know, when she was young and she was so close to him. Even though, uh, you know, she wasn't didn't have the greatest childhood, you know, with all that stuff going on. Her and her dad was really close, you know, and I think that bothered her. And then always looking for to fulfill that relationship. Yeah. And I think that's what caused a lot of this. You know, like her and Bev, she wanted to be close to him and not that close, mm-hmm. you know. But I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to make excuses for the woman because she did what she did. But I see what you're saying. But during those nine days, those boys, people were looking for those boys. She was getting attention. Yep. And I think she was loving that attention. She was too. I got hard. Yeah. And they started asking her the hard questions, and they turned on her. Life got tough. Yeah. But I mean, it got real, real fast. Yeah. But David has since remarried. He's left uh, Union, South Carolina. He's remarried, and I think he's got a couple kids now with his new wife. And he yeah, he, he wrote a book. Yeah. yeah, he did wrote a book, and I don't think he um, profited on it in, in any way. I don't think. Well, he. I don't know. He said that. Uh, you know, he had said that one time he didn't want to make no money off his kids as far as selling his story to the tabloids now when he wrote his book i think it's different okay you know he said because he said you know people are saying well you're doing this because well i just wrote a book because i think everything keeps getting turned around where they 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 get lost in the story you know and they're the victims here and don't ever forget that and everybody keeps you know susan's this and susan's that well susan did what she did and she killed my boys mm-hmm. and i want their story to be out there and that's that's I why agree. i wrote the book you know, i agree that's what he said yeah but uh he does keep a photograph of the boys in his dining room yeah i was heartbroken it was it was a a sickening feeling that i've never felt experienced in my life before i felt empty i felt hollow i felt betrayed and it is rumored that susan has a photograph of the boys in her prison cell which I don't agree with. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, how many uh, murderers get a picture of their victims? I mean, yeah. Does, the wall? does BTK get a photograph of his victims in his jail cell? Right. I'm sure he don't. Yeah, just thought I'd throw, throw, throw that out there. It's a little ironic in there. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. All right, Dale, that is part two of Susan Smith. And uh, we want everybody's opinion on this. Everybody weigh in, see what you think. Let us know. Yep. All right, Dale. We are going to get out of here. All right, man. Let's roll. We want everyone to be safe. Be careful and always be aware of your surroundings.
because the next episode could be about you. This is the, the Crack, Crack House, House Chronicles. Chronicles.